Hello, everyone. Welcome to Alabama Care. Um, we apologize. We had a, a little technical difficulties uh, getting started, but we're on and live now. And um, today, we welcome to the show Miss Kathy Boswell. She's the VP Community Engagement for the World Games, and Amy Rockworth, who is the Chief Development and Strategic partnerships at Lakeshore Foundation. So welcome guys. Thank you all so much for being on. I really appreciate you taking the time to be on today. And our topic for today is um, um, on inclusion of the World Games that is coming to Birmingham, Alabama in 2022. And so Miss um, Kathy, tell us a little bit about yourself. Wow. Okay. So um, what can I tell you? I am a native of Birmingham. It's always been my home. I was, um, I grew up in a community called Mason City and I, um, I'm one of 10 kids. So I have um, 10 siblings. So I'm number seven. And I had, um, and for me, I grew up in poverty. I mean, I, I didn't grow up with much, but one of the things that I really grew up um hearing from my parents was, is um, how much they loved me and how regardless of what I didn't have, it did not preclude me from being successful. So I, I grew up in a home filled with encouragement and a whole lot of love. Um, a person very strong in my faith, church was always the place where I felt free. Um, and it was the place that I got a chance to do a lot of things. I, I ended up Going to Homewood High School, I was a part of when they were integrating Homewood for more African-American students, I got a chance to go there. And so I went there and um, graduated, went to the University of North Alabama, where I was the, the first black homecoming queen in the history of the university. And then I came back, finished at UAB, go Blazers. Um, go Blazers. And, yeah, go Blazers. And just have been an integral part of the community. and. Um, have worked with companies like UPS, Blue Cross and Blue Shield, Healthcare Experience, the Birmingham Education Foundation, and and have been gifted, um, just blessed um, to be working here. And I am um, married, been married for 30 years to a wonderful friendship, and I have two beautiful children. Um, one's in a special place, Parker, and my oldest daughter, Catherine, who's in law school at Notre Dame. So that's me. Awesome. Amy, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure, Lorenzo. I moved to Birmingham in 2012 to be part of Lakeshore Foundation. So that's just how special it is. And for those of you that have, have come to our campus, I hope that, or and if you have not, um, I really dislike the term, the hidden jewel. I want you to know about us. I want you to know we're here because I moved my family of four from Chicago, Illinois uh, to Birmingham to be part of this incredible organization. And so wow. uh, before that, I uh, grew up in a farm, uh, on a farm in rural Illinois. Um, little town called Paris. We used to say it's definitely, it's more like parlez-vous. And um, there is a Southern accent, there's a country accent as well. So Paris is not much different. Um, it, it's, a, it's a different twang, let's say. And uh, grew up there um, in a very small town, Paris, Illinois, population 9,000. Uh, went to school outside of Chicago and ended up transplanting into the city. So I lived in the city for 
almost 20 years, and my kids were born in the city. My husband and I, we have two children. Um, we have uh, now, uh, my youngest, Lauren Raworth, is a freshman in Cooper High School here starting tomorrow, big day. And um, my oldest daughter, Katie Raworth, is a junior. And so when they moved here, they were five and seven. And so the questions I used to get is, Mom, do we have to get a car to go to the grocery store? That was like completely a different concept. We could we could use a turn we could get on the L or, or just walk to the local um, neighborhood bodega, but you can't do that here. And um, then when we did get in a car, they said, Mama, where are we at? Are we in a forest? And I said, No, we're gonna go to Super Target. Um, just down the road a few miles. So I love Birmingham, um, love Lakeshore, love the work that we get to do. And I think my in my title, you might have heard partnerships. And I really do believe that's the core of all of my work. Other, And um, I know, Lorenzo, you've been a great partner. Kath, you've been mm. a great partner. So anybody who's listening, I always extend that hand. And so if, if, if you want to join Lakeshore in some of our initiatives, we welcome that and welcome a conversation. Well, thank you all so much for sharing. Did we lose sound? We can hear you. I can hear you. Okay, we got you back now, and we had lost your sound for a moment. Oh, sorry. Well, no problem. Well, thank you all so much for sharing. I really appreciate y'all sharing that. You guys have such interesting stories there and uh, backgrounds. And so we got so much we want to cover um, okay. on the on the show today. So many questions. And um, and so I want to shoot my first question to you, Kathy. Um, what are the World Games? Ah, that's a so that's a. Big question, so I'm gonna give you a short answer. So um, the, the World Games um, started, an organization started in 1980, the International World Games Association. And it, it virtually created an opportunity for sports that were uncontested in the Olympics. And so the World Games consist of um, 34 plus, and I think it's actually 37 federations, but they are sports that are not competed in the world, in the Olympics. However, you may hear of some of the sports, like for example, gymnastics will be a world game sport, but the difference is in the discipline. That's what's very interesting. For example, in the world games, gymnastics will be here, but we'll have acrobatic and aerobic gymnastics and tumbling. And so when we talk about um, acrobatic, we're talking about two or three gymnasts actually, they're, they're together. I mean, you know, doing all kinds of various types of flips and movements and also parkour, which is that extreme gymnastics. So, so that's what it really is when we talk about the World Games. It's just the uncontested sports and very unique sports from over 100 countries that we may not have actually heard of. So very, very interesting. But that, that's what I would say in a nutshell. So we say a journey to one world, one games, a disability and inclusion initiative. What does that mean? I would say I give that to Amy. <laughs> what does that mean? Well, 
in a lot of that, I wear a lot of different hats. And um, in, in the world of advocacy and policy, I'm an ally. I'm not a disabled person, but I am an ally. Hopefully, I'll be a co-conspirator one day. But I think it's really important to understand that many times um, the disabled community are not included. And um, even, I, I love the most recent slogan uh, you may have heard around the ADA, the anniversary of the ADA, um, 31 years is enough notice. I think that's a really good statement in regards to a lot of times it's just not that people are ill intentions by any means, but it's not always at the forefront until you have a family member with a disability, a friend, a coworker, a colleague, uh, you almost don't see the world the same. Um, but once you do, that light switch is turned on and how you experience the world is different. And I think as an ally, it's really important to me that we showcase Birmingham in the best light possible. And that includes disability inclusion and access for all fans and athletes who spectacular sporting event that's going to occur right here in our own backyard. So to me, it means equity and opportunities for all and means including the disability community uh, in all of the aspects of the world games. So I'm going to add one thing. So I wanted Amy to give that, but I also want to, to share something. This is the first time in history of there being an uh, inclusive adapted sport as a part of the World Games sporting event. I mean, ever in history. So here it is for the first time in 40 years, the games have been back in the United States on American soil. The, the last time the games were in the US um, was in 1981, but there has never been an adapted sport as a part of the sporting event opportunity of the World Games. So wheelchair rugby, will be that first event and it will happen here, you know, in Birmingham, Alabama in 2022. And when the games were, when we were selected as a host city, the host city has an opportunity to choose five sports as what they call invitational sports. And at the table, we have a local organizing committee around the World Games and, and it's, the, it's the Birmingham Organizing Committee. So for the World Games, the whole city always has to develop this committee and it takes on the name of the city. So, of course, we have the Birmingham Organizing Committee. But but at that table was the executive director of Lakeshore, um, Jeff Underwood. And, and being at that table, there was discussion and there was thinking and there was thought. And there was this opportunity to talk about adapted sports. In turn came the opportunity for us to be able to host for the first time wheelchair rugby. So it, it goes back to what Amy said, 31 years long enough. And, and what that means is, is that when we think about our disabled community, what we have to do is, is not think of it when someone brings it up. It has to be in the forethinking of our mind, top of mind to be able to be a part of discussion at the very beginning. And, and that's what it was here for the World Games. And so I will tell you, um, we were very fortunate um, to be able to have someone at the table with diversified thinking, thinking beyond what the World Games had always been and looked at it for what the World Games could be. So uh, sticking with that, what you were just uh, talking about, the uh, 
the, the, the first edition of adapted sports in the world game. That's, that's pretty awesome. And we're talking about wheelchair rugby. So, um, Amy, let me ask you this question. What, what's the difference between like low point wheelchair rugby and, uh, uh, and, and non low point wheelchair rugby? Well, it, it gets into the classification system, which is somewhat complex across a lot of Paralympic sports, but it is the amount of points that each player has and how many points you can have on the court, on the field. So um, it is a little bit different. And as Kathy mentioned before, that's also very important to understand that we're getting ready to send our Team USA wheelchair rugby to Tokyo. In fact, anyone listening today can join our celebrations of champions on Thursday. It's a free event. Um, you can get a ticket and sign up and hear all about us sending um, wheelchair rugby team USA to Tokyo and you can join in that send off. So uh, that is a Paralympic sport, but the, the sport that you'll see at the world game. Yeah. So um, I tell you, let me share with you what my, um, experience was with wheelchair rugby uh, back when I uh, first was injured and I came to Birmingham um, Alabama um, I was recruited to play wheelchair rugby and mm -hmm. I was taken to a game to watch a game and I saw this guy that was a quadriplegic just as I am and he was hit by another player and his chair flipped. And so he stayed laying over until the referee flipped his chair back over. And when they flipped his chair back over, his two middle fingers were broken. And so they took some tape and taped up his fingers and pushed them back on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> and so at that point, I decided that I wasn't going to be involved than wheelchair rugby. <laughs> and so, it, Lorenzo, I think rugby, is, you know, wheelchair rugby, rugby in general, um, is a special kind of athlete, right? Someone who is intense, who um, loves life full force. And um, I think that describes the, the sport well. And not that you don't love life in full force, but perhaps you don't want rugby. So, yeah. yeah. So I want to I want to ask uh, you this question, Amy, and then I want to take a question from uh, one of the viewers. So the question is, how long has the disability and inclusion initiative been going on? Uh, what's the what's the history? How did that came come to be? Well, as Kathy mentioned, I believe it was Jeff Underwood who brought up the the thought of having adapted sports as part of of the, the games. And then after that, I would say that uh, we started work on it probably in 2019. And then of course, everything happened in 2020. So things have been shifted quite a bit. So officially the Disability Inclusion and Access Committee, which is over 17 incredible uh, human beings who are contributing their time, their talent and their organization's time and talent to make this initiative happen. And so we just kicked off um, in May of this year, but I would say a lot of work has gone on behind the scenes, and Kathy right. might say that as well. So I've been early 2019 um, for that. Um, some of the work has occurred to even 
kind of think about, conceptualize, and then release and launch yeah. this initiative. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. So, um, why are you still talking that? Hey, let me ask you this. Uh, tell me how you are hitting your four primary initiatives. So mm -hmm. you have uh, established a diverse and representative steering committee, um, creating an inclusive and accessible athletic experience, uh, enhancing accessibility and inclusion for fans, uh, developing a training and education program for staff, mm -hmm. volunteers, and partners. How are you hitting those four primary initiatives? Well, I definitely think it is a collective impact and Lakeshore is providing some uh, structural stability as long with, along with the World Games, but it's the folks that are joining the committee uh, and, and I would say diverse in the meaning of diversity and disability because we know there's no monolith in disability and so not just focusing on physical disability as much of Lakeshore's work does, but looking at individuals with, with sensory disabilities, um, with other forms of disabilities, ensuring that it's cross-disability and that everybody gets an opportunity to enjoy them. So bringing those diverse organizations together to talk about how someone with intellectual disability may experience the games, how someone who um, is blind may navigate the venues. Those are all really important concepts to think about. So we have organizations that have expertise in that to contribute. And then, of course, having um, Low Point Wheelchair Rugby on the uh, on the agenda, I think, is an incredible opportunity. We'll also have a, a lot of things going on at City Walk. So City Walk will be one of the places where fans and community members can come and what's going on. If you think that kind of, um, not necessarily exactly like an athlete village, but have better words around that, but it kind of a a place where the community can to get together and um, learn. So, um, and then the, are you still not hearing me? Are you not no, hearing me? It went out yeah, for a brief moment. You're back now. Okay, sorry about that. It, it must be my connection. So, so also we have subcommittees that are addressing all of those um, items that you talked about, Lorenzo. So we have a subcommittee that's um, addressing the fan experience. We have one that's looking at the athlete experience. So we'll be doing um, pre and post surveys to ensure that the athletes' expectations are met. And then we're all, we also have a group who are coming together to folks around training and education and disability inclusion concepts that are going to be really important at the venues and um, across mm -hmm. well you can still hear me so i want to take a question from from the viewers so uh miss kathy can you take this yeah. question Absolutely. so the question the question is um what is the difference between uh, the World Games and the Olympics? Okay, so that is, is um, they are, it's about the sports. And, and I would have to say that the, the World Games are more, um, they're very un unique and different sports that you don't see complete competed in the Olympics. But the other unique thing is, the World Games are striving to get to the Olympics, if that helps. Usually, if you think about the Olympics, 
you'll see where they have what they call invitational sports. A lot of times those invitational sports came from the World Games. And they're literally trying to figure out if they're going to be interesting enough to be able to move up to the Olympics. So, but what's interesting is, is sometimes the sports in the Olympics, when they may not be as competitive or they may need to shift, you'll see some of those sports come down to the World Games. But you'll also see one but that shared here is um, sometimes also sports in the Olympics. When so they softball may not play in Tokyo, and now softball will also be seen in the World Games. So the one thing I think we need to understand about the World Games is they're recognized by the Olympic Organizing Committee. And so they are very much, they work in partnership to be able to ensure that there is some synchronization in, I would say, how things are run. But at the same time, the sports have, the, there's a dividing line of which sports are in which competition arenas. So, uh, Kath, I want to take another uh, question from a viewer uh, yeah. here. So the question is, at what facilities are the World Games being held? Ah, okay. This is a fun question. Great. So let me just tell you. Okay, so for example, one is, is the bout wheel. The bout wheel will be the site of sumo wrestling and all of our martial arts. If you go over and move over to the crossplex, that's where wheelchair rugby will be played. That's where inline skating will be competing. And also, too, there's this sport called fin swimming, where you, you swim with one fin instead of two. So that's actually going to be at the crossplex. That's not the only one. Now, let, let's circle over and let's go over and over to Hoover. You will have at the Hoover Met is where softball will be played. If you leave Hoover and you go over to Oak Mountain, you're going to have water skiing and wakeboarding. And then we're going to come back around and we're going to come over to Sloss Furnace. When you come to Sloss Furnace, there's going to be breakdancing. That's where parkour will be and also sports climbing. Now, once we leave Sloss Furnace, what we're going to do is, is we're actually going to go to Railroad Park where you have the duathlon. And then we're going to leave there and we're going to go just go up the street to UAB. That's where you'll have racquetball and squash. And you will also have um, tug of war will be one of the sports. And right behind UAB, you will also have the sport of bulls. But I forgot we need to run back over to Avondale Park. And that's where we're actually going to have archery. And we're going to leave archery and come down to the BJCC. And that is where we'll actually have dance and we'll also have bowling. We're going to have rock and roll dancing, Latin dancing. And there will also be bowling and a sport called corfball, which is a whole lot like basketball, but you can't bounce the ball. And it's played on both sides of the court. And the goal is actually in the middle. So long story short, is we're going to be all over the place and protective stadium though is going to be the the place to be on on july the 7th because that's where our opening ceremonies will be and that's where our closing ceremonies will be so long story short there is only one venue i forgot and that's john carroll field where there's going to be ultimate disc so i mean we're going to be all over the place 15 plus venues voila what that is so awesome so let me ask you guys this. You guys can collaborate on this question. So uh, transportation is a big thing. So what types of initiatives are being taken around Birmingham 
to help increase transportation and accessibility for all. Okay. Um, so I'm going to, I'll start out and I'm going to let Amy add to this. So yeah, transportation is a big thing for us, but what we have is a collaborative effort with the city, the Birmingham Jefferson Transit Authority, as well as a contractor known as Callaway Transportation out of Maryland, who is working with the World Games and the city. And what is being designed is one more of a park and ride, an opportunity where there is a shuttle. There is um, a shuttle service. So that's one of the opportunities. The second is, is that you also see the micro mobility, the scooters and the bikes around town, where we're going to be encouraging people to utilize those. Secondly, we'll, be, we'll really stress carpooling, but you'll also have um, the opportunities of VIA which hopefully the city will be able to, they hope to expand by the World Games. And then you also have um, the whole, the, the transit, the, the program express initiative that they have going from east to west, which Birmingham is actually implemented. Um, but the biggest part is going to be walkability. If you notice the venues that I talked about, there's a cluster. So there is really an opportunity for people to walk more and to be able to move between sports um, through a lot of the trails and a lot of the, um, you know, just the, the sidewalks and just the accessibility of the venues that we have downtown. So that's really gonna be a big thing, but I would tell you the other thing we need is people's grace because it is no way to get it perfect. It is not going to be just a snap of the finger easy. So I think what I'm asking people is starting today on eight, nine is to show grace, have mercy and be patient. How about that? And then I'll let Amy add the rest. <laughs> well, that, I think Kathy covered that well. There is a transportation committee as she stated on the World Games. And so I, I know that our Disability Inclusion Committee will be obviously working with them closely. I know that we do have representative, uh, Amelia O'Hare is a colleague at Lakeshore Foundation and is an urban planner and a disabled woman as well. And so I know she's connected the dots a lot for them, but it's gonna take a lot of um, a lot of work and a lot of communication and um, knowing what, what you're to experience in advance of when you experience it. I think that's right. Yeah. I, I agree. And so we definitely gonna lead a lot of grace and uh, definitely asking the community to, to show us that. So Kath, I wanna stick with you a moment. So what are some of the biggest challenges you still face before the games go live? Golly, man, Lorenzo, I'll tell you, um, one of them is this, is at, at the very forefront of my mind is, it, is that the games haven't been in the US since 1981. That means there's no playbook for the US. That's there. So there's you really have to pull people to be wise enough to get a large group of people with different expertise at the table to execute this. The second thing is, is, is the pandemic. Um, there we have to raise funds for the games. Well, the priority is people right now because people are having to recover from the pandemic. Businesses have to be saved. There's a focal point of what I just call um, compassionate leadership that we have to that has to be shown now. Even though you may want to help with an event, the compassionate leaders have to think about the community and people. And so therefore, 
there's a choice that's having to be made where you're going to actually um, place money and funding. So it's been a challenge raising funds for the game. Um, thirdly, international countries, when they had the World Games, they could write a check. For us, that's not what we have to do. We have to raise it. So how we raise the money, the dynamics of raising it during the pandemic, um, you know, those things are, are existing. The fourth thing I will have to tell you is, is top of mind for me, that that's a challenge is, this thing is so big, you can't put your arms around it. I mean, this is 34 sports, and, and I really want the, everybody to hear me. This is 34 sports being played across 10 days. There are 210 ticketed events. There will be about 400 meddling ceremonies, but these 210 events are taking place within 10 days across 15 venues. You gotta think about that. This is not, for example, the Magic City Classic one day and there are events around it. It's not the Alabama Auburn football game one day and there's tailgating and events around it. It's not a golf tournament that is three to five days in one place. The classic, one place. The golf tournament, one place. Alabama-Auburn football game, one place. We're talking about 15 different places, some of them about 10 to 12 operating at the same time. Wow. We haven't seen anything like this. And so I just want people to understand the magnitude of our opportunity to get this right. And there's no one person that can do it. All of us, no matter what municipality we're in, no matter whether we're abled or disabled, no matter whether we're rich, whether we're poor, black or white, Hispanic, Latino, bottom line is, it's gonna take all of us to get this thing right. And we're going to have to do it together. So for me, that's a driving force for me. I just want us to be committed to each other, to just be one. For people to see the best part of who we are as a state, as a city, not who we were 50 years ago. They need to see something better. They need to be, they need to see hope. They need to see that change can happen. And what's happening in Birmingham through the World Games is what can happen across the world because people decide it ain't worth it to stay divided. There's greater opportunity and wealth for us to come together um, in unity. So that's that's what always stays in the top of my mind. That That's awesome. I, I wanna go back to you, you raising funds for the World Games. Um, so uh, two questions. Uh, is giving to the World Games, uh, is this a nonprofit uh, tax deductible contribution uh, that somebody will be making? Yes, because the city could not underwrite the game. So a 501c3, the World Games Foundation had to be formed in order to host the game. So it is literally a tax free. We are considered a nonprofit. Yes. And how do people give? Okay, so we have a sponsorship and development team. However, if you will, if you can email me 
you can email Amy. Um, if, if you want to be a sponsor, um, you're more than welcome to email us at either email me, kathy.boswell at twg2022.com. But we also have our um, executive director of um, our executive VP of sponsorship, which is Dee Dee Mathis. And if you go to twg2022.com, our emails and contact information is there. And so you can email us and we will definitely reach out to you because we do need the support, truly need it. So yes, uh, um, this is my first time hearing that you can contribute to yeah. the World Games coming to Birmingham. And I'm sure that there are so many uh, others in the community that would like to you yeah. know, contribute and bring this wonderful thing, this wonderful uh, opportunity to Birmingham, Alabama. And so um, definitely need the community to know that they can give. It's uh, one other question. Is there a website set up to give through? Yes. Well, there's not a website to give through, but you know, I tell you what, Lorenzo, we might need to do that. But if you go to www.twg2022.com, um, there is a contact us. And if you are interested in giving, you can email us through that website. And that's www.twg2022.com. And, and with organizations, are there different sponsorship levels yes. for organizations? Yep. Yes, there certainly are. Yes. Amy, let me ask you this question. Um, are you looking for like more uh, contributors from the dis disability community? And if so, uh, how can we as a community get involved? Absolutely. I was going to follow up that question that Kathy just stated. I think you can sign up to be a volunteer with the World Games. And I think that's really important and that is available on the website. So who better but the disabled community and family members of the disabled community who know what needs to happen, who have that experience, they have that lived experience to show up and help um, the games you know, be a reality for disability inclusion. So I would say volunteering of your time and your talents. And I would also say that if you have any interests, you could definitely contact us and we'll figure out a way to use your expertise. Yes, absolutely. That's wow. awesome. That's awesome. So uh, uh, another question here. So obviously the economic impact for the city, for the city it, it looks like it's estimated to be about 256 million. And uh, yes. what does that mean for Birmingham, Kathy? So recently, um, you know, you all might, if you haven't, the there's the a Mastercard initiative has been done um, with Birmingham, um, and it, they have selected, you know, after George Floyd, they selected several cities to really go out and promote um, social equity and uh, or social justice and wealth equity. And one of the things they did with the city recently, um, and I went to that presentation last week that blew my mind, but they they looked and with the city and used a, a software called Geo Insights. And what they did was, is they took one event with the city, which was in particular the Magic City Classic. They took it and this particular program that MasterCard had broke it down to show the actual economic impact across the city. What was interesting that came out of that was, was that 
it literally generated more money for the city of Birmingham than the national average. And it also showed clusters of opportunity that um, where the economic impact actually existed. One of the areas that came out of it that I just could not do anything but laugh at was Fultondale. From the Magic City Classic, Fultondale community was so economically impacted. It also talked about Birmingham, it talked about Homewood, and it talked about the River Chase Galleria. It, it, and then it pointed out that that was just in hospitality. So it was able to identify clusters of opportunity where economic opportunity existed. But then it pointed out even from the restaurants and it really pointed that small businesses generated so much economic opportunity from just that one event because people went and what did they do? They went to eat. And most of the restaurants here are what? Small businesses. So I say all of that to say, if they can show and there, that there were ways that there was literally economic impact above the national average from one event, please tell me why we cannot believe and only imagine what could happen across <laughs> the 11 days of the World Games. So, so I don't know if that answered your question, but I just needed for us to convey that they talked about one game and we're talking about an 11 day event knowing that five to 6,000 athletes, technicians, and officials are going to be coming to our city. Wow. That is awesome. Mm. So we are less than one year away from the World Games. And obviously, at this present moment, you know, COVID-19 is a major concern. You know, so how are you planning, you know, to address those concerns, you know, at this moment? Um, I'm, I'm going to tell you this in just one clear statement. If there's one thing that is very apparent, we are very divided on how we see this pandemic and COVID, even how we respond to it. But at the end of the day, we're going to follow whatever protocol we need to to keep every human safe. It may not align with everybody and what they think, but at the end of the day, this event is about the athletes. We want them to come well. We want them to leave well. But for everybody serving them, we want them to be well as well. So we're going to take the necessary precautions, follow the CDC protocol, but be, we know that the IWGA the Birmingham Organizing Committee, the city of Birmingham and the state, we're gonna do what we need to do to truly ensure the health and well-being of these athletes and the people we serve. What that may look like in 2022, I don't know because nobody would have thought we'd be where we are mm -hmm. in 2021. But at the end of the day, what we have to realize is these people have families and they have homes to go back to. And we want to send them back um, and take whatever precautions we can to return them home. Okay. Will there be any vaccination requirements? As of right now, there's not. But who knows in 2022? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
Kathy, let me ask you also this question. Uh, uh, are there any upcoming events and in, in ways that people can get involved? I want to go back to what Amy said. One is, is go to our website. If you or your organization are interested in volunteering, please sign up because on October 1, there is an application that will launch for our volunteer program. And that is going to um, assess people on what areas they may want to volunteer in. And for our volunteer program, there are some areas that will require background checks just simply because of the sensitivity and confidentiality of some of the areas and dignitaries that are coming. Um, but we will be taking those applications um, and it will assess again where people may want to work, what their availability may be. So, so that's one of the places. Um, the, the second thing that I would tell you is on people getting involved and that is, is being able to, if you want to buy a ticket, you can always go and buy a ticket too um, on, on our website. Um, the third thing I want to say about people getting engaged is through our World of Opportunity program. Um, that is, if you're a supplier or a vendor, you can go to our website and register to be able to, um, we have RFP opportunities. And so if you have a good or service that may be needed for the games, we can notify you about that. So that would also be a way that you could get involved as well. That's awesome. And uh, so our last question uh, from the uh, one of the viewer here, which is the question that I had down as well was, how do you get tickets for an event? Ah, very good. So if you go to www.twg2022.com, you cannot miss the word tickets. It is really, it's gonna hit you smack dab in the face. It probably will be the first word that you see, <laughs> like tickets. So when you go to tickets, let me give you some insight because you gotta be patient. Remember I told you it was 34 sports. All right. Remember I explained there were 15 venues. Okay. And remember I stated that it was across 11 days. So what that means is 34 sports, 15 venues, 11 days. And remember I said 200 and ticketed events. So when you go into the ticket site, you can search for it by sport, by day, and by venue. By sport, by day, and by venue. If you search by sport, it's going to take you through all the sports. So what you might want to do before you actually start looking for tickets is to go to the sports section of the website and see all the sports that will be there and figure out which one you're interested in. That way, it'll help you decide what you're looking for. If you know you want to go to the sports close to home so you can walk and don't have to worry about transportation, simply go to that particular venue, select the venue, it'll give you all your times. If you know that, guess what? I can only go on Saturday, go to the by day tab and pick that day that you know you're going to be able to go. So if you want to go all over the place, go up under sports, if you want to go close to home or to a certain location, go by venue. But if you know you only want to, you're available to go by day, simply search by day. So those are the options, but that's one of the easiest way to think about the tickets if you want to purchase them. So when would the schedules be out? Now? Yep. So if you go, yeah. So if you go in, um, even on the site, there's a schedule. So it has the tickets are there telling you 
the time, the location, the sport. So the schedule is actually out there now on our site. That's awesome. Guys, I appreciate, I appreciate y'all so much for taking time to uh, come on Alabama Care today and to, to share with us about inclusion with the World Games. This is such a huge deal for the city of Birmingham, the, the state of Alabama. And so um, is there anything else that you all would like to add before we close today? Mm, I just want to, I really want to recognize um, Amy and Lakeshore because Amy didn't explain to you all, but they are a part of every aspect of the games from the transportation um, to the volunteer program, to the education program. And I just really cannot thank her enough for all she's doing to really just um, be so engaged in every aspect of the game in representing Lakeshore. Um, that's the first thing. And then the second thing is, is just to our sponsors. I wanna just thank people for believing in Birmingham enough to be willing to serve as a sponsor, to, to donate their time and their money in these efforts. Um, and, and to the city, just for people for believing in this. And, um, and I just ask that everyone just um, know that this is gonna be a great opportunity. And it's another page in history that we get the gift to write and um, it'll show a better Birmingham. Awesome. Anything you wanna add, Miss Amy? I can never follow, follow Kathy. So other than she's an incredible partner and I'm glad that the audience is hearing about this today and I hope to have more collaborations, more partners um, to show the, the world Birmingham. Awesome. And also Miss Kathy, Miss Karen Russell say hello. <laughs> I, I love you, Karen. <laughs> well, thank you all so much for being on today. I want to thank um, Alexander Bimes with Alabama Care for giving us an opportunity to uh, come live today. So thank everybody for joining. Have a great day.